Let's go to the Lord and thank him. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for each member of this praise team. I thank you for the time that they give. Lord, I thank you for how they have led us today to sing the songs that we've sung. Because, Lord, it's praise to you. And the fact the Father, the fact that we could open our hearts before the preaching even starts makes us receptive to what you want to say. And so, Lord, be with us now. Speak to us through your word. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated in the Lord's presence. If you have your Bible with you, if you would turn to the uh, book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So what I, what I decided was we need to start a new series for a new season. So we're still kind of wrapping up the series that we've done on the Holy Spirit, but I thought we need a new series for the new season. And you know, the way that God arranges things in the Word of God, since He does it line by line and, you know, bit by bit and principle by principle and building one thing on another, there are certain topics in the Bible that you can't get everything out of one spot. And since you can't get everything out of one spot, you kind of, that's the idea behind a preaching series. So that you can go to all the spots or a number of spots and get what God wants you to have about that topic in your life. And so we're going to start on a season of grace as a church alive. Why grace? Well, because this is the one thing you need. I mean, we need this more right now than anything else. How do I know? Because in every epistle, Paul prays that they would have grace. I mean, that was the one thing in every epistle. And yes, it says grace and peace. But, you know, peace is only established on your experience of God's grace. So as we've been in this doctrinal study, approaching subject to Holy Spirit, I want to start transitioning to a new one on the important topic of God's grace. And what I find when I lay out this doctrine biblically is how Paul is a very practical theologian. He doesn't just talk about grace and its systematic theological and ethical ramifications. Paul wants to talk about a church alive and how grace is to you right now. So here's our thesis for today's study. Paul develops grace as a doctrine that has a function. So in surveying the field of chapters referencing the topic of grace... I have found that Paul puts the ball in play in one of the most heated courts in our lives today because he puts grace into play in the arena of our money and our finances. And so Paul is going to talk about giving related to grace. And I didn't decide to start with this topic because finances at the church are not good. I mean, why? you know, 10 years ago, almost going on 10 years ago when we came here, one of my main prayers was, Lord, don't make me sweat the finances. And praise the Lord, God's been good. God, you, you, God has always been good through his people. And, uh, you know, I just, I bless the Lord. I give glory to God that we've pretty much gone from strength to strength in that. Now, we, we are not so rich a church that we can do anything we want. If we could, we'd have enough facility space for all that we want to facilitate. But, you know, building is expensive, and so we don't quite have that, but we've got enough to do ministry, we've got enough to do, you know, and so we've not had to sweat the finances, so all of that is good. But, you know, number one, we have a lot of new people in this church, new people coming in, people haven't even been discipled yet, 
And they need to know how God's economy functions. Secondly, we have a very unstable economy right now. And it's an unstable economy because it's an unstable world. And that unstable world affects all sorts of things. Oil and commodities and everything else. All, you know, and we've had a pandemic and all that. So now, thirdly, inflation has kicked in. And we don't know what this year is going to be. So if you were to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 at one setting, you would see the word grace pop up seven times. Grace is at the heart of what Paul wants to teach us. Therefore, it is at the heart of what we need to learn. So Paul uses, actually, the function of giving to express the doctrine of grace. And he's amazing me because he turns grace into an economic issue. And he says, I'm going to deal with giving in a practical expression of the function of God's grace in your finances. So Paul right now wants to talk to people who are struggling with their finances because of inflation, because of the pandemic, because of job layoffs, because of medical bills, because of children's education, because of stock market roller coasters, and because of cryptocurrency. And so Paul knows and Paul shows, and this is our first point for study. Problems in a believer's finances are really just symptomatic of that person's misunderstanding of God's grace. So, you know, I just, just returned from our Living Faith Fellowship Discipleship Conference down in the Atlanta area. And, you know, each, each area of the country, uh, churches kind of have their own culture. And uh, some churches in the South have a, a certain culture. And uh, they're much more vocal uh, than other churches are. And sometimes that's led by the team of deacons that are, you know, right down on the front row. And so, so the old preacher was preaching on how the church works. And he said, you know, he started off his sermon. He said, church. In order for us to get anywhere, we got to start off by crawling. And the deacons down on the floor shouted, crawl, preacher, crawl. He said, after we crawl a little while, we got to get up and run. And the deacons right down front said, yes, sir. That's right. Run, reverend, run. They said, you know, after we've been running, we got to go to the mountaintop of our ministry. So we got to fly. We got to mount up with wings as eagles. And the deacon said, fly, reverend, fly. Preacher said, now you know that in order to fly, it'll take money and it'll take more giving. And the deacon said, crawl, reverend, crawl. (laughs) So I don't see why you didn't get that, because for some people, you know, whenever giving and, and giving God the tithe comes up, people don't want ministry to fly anymore. So Paul writes to a church, which frankly is reneged on its promise. Their pledge was described here in chapter 8, if you look at verse 10, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you. Okay, so Paul says, look, I'm just going to tell you something in an advisory fashion. I'm not giving you an order here. I'm not pulling out the, the apostle card and making a command that you have to do. But I will tell you, this is more speedy for you. You, you, you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago, now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, 
So there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. You already know God's grace to you. You have something. God has blessed you as Corinthians. And, and you are rich. And, and so now you, you, you have Pledge something based on your richness, and yet you have not followed through. And my concern, Paul says, and this is our second point for study, is that your heart always governs your hands. So you talked a good talk about putting God first and not boxing God out, but acknowledging Him in every area of your life. You know, somewhere that got lost in the economic downturn, the inflationary upturn, and your own selfishness. So Paul is writing to this church to use this opportunity as an example to teach them about God's grace. And so, chapter 8, he tells us the motivation for grace giving. Chapter 9, he goes through the benefits of grace giving. Paul says, I need to talk about money, so I have to talk about grace. Uh, What are the things that motivate you to give out of an understanding of God's grace? Well, verse 1, start with me in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. I want you to be witty about this. I want you to know of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. I want you to know the ways that grace is working among them. Because they are the third world Christians. So let me tell you how the doctrine works. Grace is evident in your sister churches, poor as they are, by their giving. Paul shows that in verses 2, 3, and 4. And this will make you uncomfortable because, you know, churches in Macedonia were composed of people. They were not, they were not poor, they were po. It's just like Dave Hill said the other night, they were po because they couldn't even afford the other O and R. So they were just po. And, uh, and it makes us uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, 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 you know, old preacher, you say uh, every pastor has to preach a sermon every once in a while where nobody comes up to him afterwards and says, hey, that was a good sermon. Today is that day. I'm just warning you, today is that day. Verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They they didn't give because they had a lot. They gave what they could because they had any. And they're undergoing persecution and suffering themselves, and they could have asked for an offering to be taken up for them. But that trial expressed their true colors. So in spite of their circumstance, they were giving liberally, And when they got squeezed, all the sweetness came out. And that is one of the paradoxes of grace. Because let me hit you with the definition, just so we're clear. Grace is the finished work of Christ operating on your behalf when you activate it by your faith. Therefore, you find you can be liberal even when you do not have much. And it doesn't make sense, but it displays grace. Because once you understand grace... Well, then circumstances have no effect on whether or not you tithe. Grace is the empowerment when financial, social, economic, and political conditions are not the empowerment. 
So if you not only understand grace is in its theological construct of a doctrine, but you know grace in its living construct as truth, then your economic situation does not constrain your giving. 10% is the same for everybody in every state of life, so circumstances have no impact on tithing. And what Paul shows us in this chapter is the giving principles of grace. Because the person who understands grace as truth does not raise the question of their debt load. It never enters their mind. The person who understands grace does not raise the question of inflation and how much their bills are going up. Now, why is that the case? What is there about grace that forces you, when times are at their worst, to beg for the opportunity to give? Well, first off, notice, if you will, and this is number one, How the worse off you are, the more grace you need. Therefore, you are willing to give by faith because it activates the manifold grace that God has available to you. After all, nobody here is saying you should give all your money. And you know, I, I, it, it has been years, I think. I don't know when the last time was that I just took a Sunday and said, okay, well, let's talk about what the Bible has to say about giving. And uh, oftener I may allude to tithing because that's simply what you ought to do regularly. And so many times I'm given thanks that we don't have to take up a special offering for some certain, certain thing because, you know, everybody's just tithing and stuff like that's going on. And, um, you know, when we get to this summer and we get to our all church retreat and so we go, go back out to UCM and we have that time together. So it's kind of our all church camp and your kids go free. They will go free. Every year I've been here, we paid for your kids to go free. How can we do that? Well, because you tithe. And it all works out. And so nobody's saying that, that, look, you need to give an amount that you cannot afford. But we are saying nobody ever went bankrupt because they gave their church 10% off the top in order to fund their own way in ministry. Nobody ever went bankrupt for that. If you go bankrupt, it won't be because of that. So all I'm saying is, When times are tough, you need more God, not less God. You need more of his power, not less. You need more of his presence, of his blessing, not less. You need more Holy Spirit, not a grieved Holy Spirit. And because these Christians were caught in a crisis, because the roof was on fire, they said, Paul, we need grace. We beg you, please take this extra offering. Oh, oh, it's over and above our tithe. Please take what we've collected because we know that our faith is what is going to activate God's grace. And God will open the windows of heaven to meet us in our need because of what we've done. Verse 4, look at verse 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, their gift, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
You know what? There are three T's. Somebody, uh, you know, one of, one of our uh, uh, old fathers in church reminded me of this after the first service. There are three T's. And then the three T's are tithe, time, and talent. So it's not just money. It is also ministry that grace operates in. So there's no correlation between your economic situation and you prioritizing God through your giving or through your serving. Why? Because your account is not really being debited against your bank account. So when you give to God, it's like it's not really coming out of your bank account. It's being debited against the amount of God's grace. And then in the meantime, God did not leave those Macedonians with nothing. Paul said that until grace came to meet their financial need, verse 3, God gave them abundant joy in the meantime. So while you're waiting for your change to come, God meets you with all grace. He, he enables you to sustain yourself by giving you the ability to cope even when circumstances are down. Because you know, and this is our third point for study, you know that if you do two things, prioritize God and recognize His grace, then things will turn around in His time and in His way. So some of you who are here need to hear this. The only way you're going to make it this year financially is to take the Lord's money and give it back to him first and stop taking the Lord's money and using it for yourself. Because if you need a financial miracle, you need to let him know that you are trusting him at that moment the most. And you know what? Unless it's out of your control, it ain't giving. I know you can think and say, well, you know, why don't I just do this? And buy myself this and say, say I gave it to God and, and I'm doing that, you know, for the Lord's work somehow. No, no. I mean, that's why the church exists. Because God is about building up his body. So stop keeping the Lord's money. Because if you give God the money that already belongs to him, then by sovereign acts of divine grace, he meets you in your need. And even if you don't get the finances right away, you have joy. I mean, if nothing else, you got the joy of giving. So nobody's asking you to give your retirement. Nobody's asking you to sell your house and give the proceeds. Nobody's saying anything except what God is telling you is His. You say, Alan, I haven't been doing that. Okay, don't make it up. Just start. I mean, just a dime out of every dollar is nothing. But it is a decision to put God first. It is grace in the first degree. So when you understand grace, you master the economy. Second, second, on the other hand, this is number two. Believers are dependent on the provision of God's grace, not on our American economy. The Macedonians wanted to be positioned under God so as to let God know they knew even the little they had came from him. And they were going to need more, so they were prioritizing him and their ministry with him by putting his money, the 10% off the top, back to him as first fruits, so that the allocation of grace would be made from God's storehouse in Jesus Christ. If you are heavy in debt... What is the first thing you should do? Say, Alan, pay off my credit cards. No, that is the worst thing you could do because they got you in this mess. 
You need to make sure you are full of faith and paying God first. See, none of us have the opportunity today of displaying our faith like a Ukrainian believer right now. So all I can say is, if you are going to go bankrupt, at least glorify God doing it. Hello, somebody. So you don't understand, Alan, I don't have anything. I don't have a job right now. Nothing's coming in. Well, if you don't have anything coming in, you don't have anything due. But if you have anything coming in, God put his thumbprint on the top 10%. Don't steal from him. He knows you have something coming in. I mean, how come just because it's unemployment, we think we don't have to give God off the top? Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Did, did that stimulus that you got in your bank account, did that come from Congress or did that come from God? That unemployment, does that come from the state or does that come from God? And I guess that your view of God and God's grace determines your answer to that question. All I can tell you as your pastor is that when you are in a bind, you need more blessing, not less. And this is a very different way of thinking, but it is the grace way. Watch verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The next motivation for grace giving is the example of Jesus. He descended from his richness so that we could ascend up from our poverty because rich means having everything you need to accomplish God's mission. That is the definition of rich. You know, the Corinthians, they were a lot like us. They had good intentions when they heard the need and emotional response and they made a commitment and now a year had gone by and this is our fourth point for study. The Christian life cannot be lived on intentions. It has to be lived on function. So I hope that you are not just intending to love your spouse. I hope that you are not, by manifold New Year's resolutions, just intending to love your kids, stay sober, and read your Bible. I I hope you're going to do it by way of biblical function. Verse 12, For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. So follow Paul with me, because the function of grace-giving displays nothing but the blessing of God. Doesn't show off how rich you are. Doesn't display how poor you are. It, it, all it displays is the blessing of God to you. Does not display your willpower. Doesn't display your affluence. Doesn't display whether or not you've been manipulated. Because the function of giving is grace, not guilt manipulation. So the third giving principle of grace is this. God wants you to start giving out of what you have and not what you do not have. If, if, you, if you are poor and not just poor, and you live paycheck to paycheck, well, I, you know, I don't want you giving all your rent money to the church. Uh, I also don't want you giving it to the boats either, I'm just saying. Or giving it some spiritual shyster on TV. That is not faith. It is faith to f- simply follow what God says to do. So all, all I want you to do is what God already tells you to do. 
So be consistent about prioritizing him first with the first fruit of the first tenth of whatever comes into you. So everybody has to give, but it's all proportional. It's based on what you have, not what you do not have. Now, if you can give more and you want to give a thank offering above your tithe, then give to our focus fund or Ukraine relief or uh, Zambia kids or other projects that we do. But, but, but fund what we too do together in ministry by tithing first to this church. Find the box in here on Sunday or in the lobby or create an account with us online. And if you're even more well off or you're, you're more thankful to God, you want to really sacrifice to show God how thankful you are for reaching you, then designate more to one of our missionaries, our missions budget. So let me say again what I just said to you. There are three levels of giving, and this is why I quit tithing. Because there are three levels of giving, and you can grow your giving. First, God calls for the tithe from every believer, that's 10%, but you may want to thank Him with an offering over and above that, which in our church, our focus fund is used to fund a lot of our ministry Strictly ministry functions together. And then third letter C, you may want to sacrifice and support someone to go abroad to reach others because you're so glad that God reached you. Tithe, offering, sacrifice. But all of that is consistent, reasonable, and regular, being based on what you have coming in, not on what does not exist. That way there's no manipulation to it unless it's simply the Holy Spirit moving you to respond. One dollar out of your ten is the same as one dollar out of my ten or one dollar out of anybody else's ten. So why a flat tax, as it were? Well, Paul tells us, as he tells them in verse 13, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality, he's talking about equality in ministry. So our, so our church is a lot like a, a pyramid. And I mean, the universe is like a pyramid and uh, the, 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 the land grant God gave to Abraham is like a pyramid. And you find this pattern in the pyramid all throughout the Bible. And so our the church is kind of like a pyramid because there's a wide base of a lot of people. And we have new people and new people coming in, visitors and new members and people who have not even been discipled yet. They've not been through discipleship and it's a, it's a broad base. And so, you know, the majority of our giving, uh, you know, probably is, uh, is people who are, um, uh, it's, uh, Middle, middle income type Americans and middle class or lower middle class or uh, maybe even underneath that. I mean, praise the Lord. We are the church in the good part of Blue Springs because uh, we're right, right at the I-70 corridor. So we're not that suburban church that, you know, ca- you know has uh, everything they can uh, do with everything that they need. We're kind of that church right across from the original Blue Springs High School. And we're able to minister to people, all sorts of people, on a lot of different levels. We have great opportunity for ministry. And the thing that makes that all equal is the fact that you've got, you know, a lot of people at the base. You do have people at the top. And, you know, they've got a lot of money, and they can give. And our tendency is to forget that God got us to the top. And we, we like to think that, well, you know, because I'm, I'm all smart like that. 
Or, uh, I'm just talented like that. Well, you know, there are a lot of talented people and they ain't at the top. Or, you know, I just had lucky breaks because God loves me. Well, God put you where you are. So God got you to the top. And if you are at the bottom, God is with you where you are by grace. So by asking you to function to according to grace giving, God is not trying to make you poor and somebody else rich. No, grace giving is what makes us shoulder to shoulder in this body. One person's uh, big amount uh, meeting the ministry needs of everybody in the body and then boiling over the top to reach others with the gospel of grace. So God's not redistributing wealth, but he's taken a flat tax to meet his need in a grace economy. He takes part of what he gives you, and he lets it benefit the entire body. And that peace and joy that he uses to benefit Christ's body, he's able to transfer back to you because of your gift, and it all runs on the rails of grace. Now watch, watch, verse 15. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over. He that hath gathered little hath no lack. I mean, even the Old Testament had its pictures of grace. That's kind of like the way our church budget works. Uh, Our class budgets, our department budgets, they are all what I call pass-through budgets. I don't know, I'm not an accountant, I don't know technical term, but what I mean is that they record income from any source and expenses of every kind. So if we charge you $20 for an event, that's run through the budget. That shows as an increase in the budget, even though it's really an activity. And that way our budget is a reflection of the spiritual life of our church. And that's just like the point that Paul is making about giving being a reflection of the doctrine of grace. So you need to understand, as we go on with this study, if you can catch this, it will transform your finances, but also transfigure your life. And the original story Paul's referring to is in Exodus 16. And Israel's plodding through the wilderness, and Moses needs some way to feed a family of two million. And he can't find a quick trip. And so out of the sky, God sends not little Debbie, but angel food cake from above. They called it manna. And there were certain rules for collecting. And Sunday through Thursday, you could collect all you could eat in one day. And then some of them thought like we do and said, you know, I don't know if I trust God. I'm going to collect extra for my retirement. I'm going to cover all my bases here. But the rule was everything collected that day had to be consumed that day. Only exception was Friday. So you could collect enough for Saturday. So you did not have to get it on the Sabbath day. But if you did not eat what was collected for the day, then the next day it stank and bread worms. Why would Paul pull this story out of the Old Testament to teach us Christians in the New Testament about grace giving? Because if you have the Lord's blessing by being saved, God has helped you, God has sustained you, God has has given you a job, but then you hoard it. Paul says the same principle that governed manna governs his blessing in your life today both with regard to how you handled your money and whether or not you are in ministry, because here's our final point for study. If your grace does not function in giving and in serving, 
But if it does not function in giving as you get paid, then God's very blessing will turn on you and end up ruining you. So we have, you know, this is on my heart today because we have a whole generation of believers and because they've not responded properly to the grace of God, they are stinking and breeding all sorts of slimy problems. And some of them have a nice house with a three-car plague because they can't keep their family together. Their mental health is rotting. They cannot stand their life because nobody can rob God and get away with it. I mean, just grace won't work for you like that. Haggai chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, there on your handout. The Old Testament prophet, uh, you know, talked to God's Old Testament people in the same way. And it's not the money and, and giving money that's the issue with God. It is the misuse of His grace. You forgot that He gave you what you got this week. But the person who understands the principles knows that every day, There will be enough manna for that day every week, enough manna for that week every month, enough manna for that month, and and two on Friday. So the question from the pulpit, if you want to manifest grace, is whether you will give appropriately from what God has given you because you understand it is only yours by God's grace. So that when next month comes... Not only will you not miss the dime that you gave God out of every dollar, you'll even be better off because God has taken care of you and grace responded to your faith. And you say, Alan, but I tried that once and it didn't happen. And instead, I tithed and then my car broke down and, and uh, everything fell off the cliff. And it, uh, okay. But you know what? Um, God, doesn't, God doesn't have to settle all his bills in the same quarter. And you need to have the faith to trust him for the blessing, no matter what it looks like. Uh, I think that if we were to sit down and talk about it face to face, I could show you the ways that God's blessing was in the car breaking down and everything else happening even after you started tithing and giving to God. So you need to understand God's grace. It is, you know what? And even if it doesn't happen, even if it looks like it's not coming true, you know what? It is such a relief to be under grace. Because if you've done what God has told you to do by grace, you will be able to trust him no matter how hard the time. Because grace is what breeds peace. So the final giving principle is this. Number four, you do not really believe you're under grace. If you're not willing to give God what he says is his due. Not giving up your retirement, not giving up your kids' college education, not even foregoing your vacation on the beach. I mean, the answer is not on the beach, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't look there. But you'll always give the tithe off the top because God says that's his. And if a tenth was commanded under the law, you know it's the minimum under grace. You don't got to break your neck to get God's blessing. I mean, other liturgical churches teach that you do. Other religions teach that you do. Other false prophet faith persuaders like Word of Faith Movement teach that you do. But when you trust God, the Word of God does the work for you. And that is grace. And then Psalm 127 verse 2 becomes true. It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows, colon, 
Because the clause that appears after that's going to explain why. For so God giveth his beloved sleep, gives him peace because of grace. And at the bottom line, God will supply what you need when you are not stingy with him. When you're not too greedy to give by his grace what he says can only come from you. Lost people are not going to give so that this body of Christ can continue the ministries we do. That's not how it happens. If, if, if this body's going to be built up and everything's, you know, the facilities are going to facilitate and everything else has to be taken care of, well, it's only going to come from those who are believers. Small amount that it is, but giving it first off the top. Story is told of a man who came to his pastor for counseling and he knew that that God was giving to him first, and that was grace, and yet he, was, he had stopped responding in kind by tithing off the top in his thankfulness. He said, you know, Pastor, when I first became a Christian, I was so excited. I was just making a little money, but I was so glad to be saved. And, you know, I, I gave, God gave me such joy even in bad circumstances. I gave God a triple tithe off everything I made. I gave 10% of the church. I gave 5% to ministries I was involved in. I gave sacrificially various missions projects. And my income has now gone up, but that level of giving is gone. Pastor, would you pray for me that I'll get back to that appreciation of God's grace so I can go back to giving more like I did when my income was smaller? Pastor said, let's pray. Father, bring this man back to making what he made when he first got saved. So he can start giving you again what's your due. Because sometimes either we make so much or our bills look so much that it, it, instead of seeing what belongs to God as really being so small and just first fruits, it, 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 it makes it look too big compared to the other. And that is looking at grace backwards. What, what does God, why does God have to set us back financially in order to get us to see that we're taking his grace for granted. Do not be guilty of misuse of God's grace. Giving is not about you. It's not about me. It's not even about this church. Really, it's about you and God. You say, Alan, okay, what should I do now? Well, uh, create an account online like, like you do at Amazon or any place else and, and, and on the giving page of our website and you can have it deducted every pay period. You don't have to worry about it. It goes automatically or you can figure it up time by time or you can send it from your bank to us or you can still write a check. You can put it in cash in an envelope or, you know, whatever and put it in the box. Don't give it to me or any one of our pastors. Put it in a box here on Sunday or at any service. But if you are making, you should be giving by grace. Start with the tithe. Start with giving God the first fruits first. Now, before you can respond to grace, you have to receive it, have received it yourself. And that is why this was a message for our members, not a message for our visitors. This is not a message for visitors and first-timers. This is a message to make you feel like you are really a member if you, if you really attend here and you're a member here and you, you serve here. God gives first because Jesus says in John 1 verse 12, 
But as many as received him, first, then, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like to receive God's grace today, all you have to do is pray. You can just pray right now and say, Jesus, I believe you today for exactly what you promised. That's all. I'm just believing you for what you promised. Maybe I've been other places. Maybe I've been to other churches. And there are a lot of things they asked me to do. They told me to raise my hand. They told me to stand. They told me to walk to the front. They told me to pray a sinner's prayer. They told me to do a lot of things. But today, I'm just going to boil it down to trusting you for what you promised me, which is eternal life, everlasting life. I trust your promise, and I believe so that I can receive. God, make me born again today in Jesus' name. And if you give Jesus your life, he will give you his life. And the Holy Spirit will fill you as you get into God's word. And then as you trust his word, his grace is activated by your faith. And God's word begins to do a work in your life that carries you into God's purpose for you into eternity. That's why we're a disciple-making church. If you've never been disciple, sign up today out in the lobby. Let us pair you up with someone who will take you through the word of God one-on-one. And start that process, letting the Word of God do the work in your heart, in your family, in your life, to change your personality, to make you who you should be in Christ. And if you've prayed like that today, come meet me or one of our altar counselors here at the front. I want to give you a book I've written on the next steps for new believers. Go ahead and stand if you would. Looking forward to Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Before we get there next Sunday, we'll be back helping to wrap up our series on the Holy Spirit. So invite somebody to come with you so that they won't miss out. Tonight, we do a discovery of Psalm 119. Kids will have their Bible club that we call Awana. Uh, check, Check out the ministry spotlight table out front every Sunday in the next couple of three weeks. Praise team, sing us out.